I'm Pastor Daniel Morris, and you're listening to Sharing the Bread of Life, a podcast by St. Timothy's Lutheran Church in Skokie, Illinois. Whether you're a first-time listener or a regular subscriber, I pray that Christ feeds you from the stories and testimony you'll hear today. We do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. May the Lord fill you with every good thing, and may you have enough left over to share. Have all Israel assembled for me at Mount Carmel with 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent to all the Israelites and assembled the prophets at Mount Carmel. Elijah then came near to all the people and said, How long will you go limping with two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. The people did not answer him a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I, even I only, am left a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets number 450. Let two bulls be given to us. Let them choose one bull for themselves. Cut it in pieces and lay it on the wood, but put no fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood, but put no fire to it. Then you call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the, of the Lord. The God who answers by fire is indeed God. All the people answered, Well spoken. Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose for yourselves one bull and prepare it first, for you are many. Then call on the name of your God, but put no fire to it. So they took the bull that was given them, prepared it, and called on the name of Baal from morning until noon, crying, Oh, Baal, answer us. But there was no voice and no answer. They limped about the altar that they had made. At noon, Elijah mocked them, saying, Cry aloud, surely he is a god. Either he is meditating, or he has wandered away, or he is on a journey, or perhaps he is asleep and must be awakened. Then they cried aloud, and as was their custom, they cut themselves with swords and lances until the blood gushed out over them. As midday passed, they raved on until the time of the offering of the oblation, but there was no voice, no answer, and no response. Then Elijah said to all the people, Come closer to me. And all the people came closer to him. First he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been thrown down. Elijah took 12 stones, according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be your name. With the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. Then he made a trench around the altar, large enough to contain two measures of seed. Next he put the wood in order, cut the bull in pieces, and laid it on the wood. He said, Fill four jars with water and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. Then he said, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. Again, he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. So that the water ran all around the altar and filled the trench also with water. At the time of the offering of the oblation, the prophet Elijah came near and said, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, 
Let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, and that I am your servant, and that I have done all these things at your bidding. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, so that this people may know that you, Lord, are God, and that you have turned their hearts back. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering, the wood, the stones, and the dust, and even licked up the water that was in the trench. When all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord indeed is God. The Lord indeed is God. We do not live by bread alone. But by every word that comes from the mouth of God. As a reminder today, uh, the sermon is a, a discussion sermon, so I invite you to uh, stop me at any moment as you have questions or thoughts that arise. And to share those, I do have a microphone so we can all, all hear and participate. And um, with whatever time is left over after, after the, the, my speaking portion, uh, we can continue the conversation as well. So this time is ours, and I invite you to respond as the Spirit moves you. Sometimes I get the impression that God is a hopeless romantic. God has made one grand gesture after another, only to be spurned and rejected by us. God gave us the world, and we stole the one thing that we couldn't have. God saved Israel from slavery, yet the first generation turned against their Savior in the desert. God gave Israel a fruitful land, and the people chased after other gods. It seems like humanity notices God's grand gestures for a moment, and then we lose interest, and we go after something else. For the northern kingdom that was called Israel, that something else was the Canaanite storm god, Baal. As a storm god, Baal was supposed to be responsible for things like fire, and rain, and harvest. He was the giver of life, except in the dry season when he was in the power of death. God's chosen people had admired the Baals since they set foot in the promised land. They flirted with Baal on and off throughout Israel's history, repeatedly provoking God to jealousy. Then, the king of Israel built a temple for Baal in Samaria, his capital city. It seems like the people of Israel didn't experience any conflict between their love of God and their love of Baal. King Ahab was publicly pursuing an open relationship with God that included Baal. Yet this was in conflict with Israel's vow to love God and God alone. God chose to be known by Israel through the sacred vows exchanged at Horeb. For whatever reason, Israel went looking for God apart from those vows. Israel's spiritual restlessness really isn't all that different from the spiritual restlessness of this age. For whatever reason, we are looking for God apart from the ways that God has chosen to be found. 
We look to our feelings rather than God's word to measure truth, righteousness, and justice. We look for God's presence in family gatherings and in sunsets rather than in baptism and in communion. We look for the renewal of the world through personal choice and public policy rather than the proclamation of the gospel. God is certainly at work in all of these things. But God has not chosen to be known by us in these things. God has chosen to be known by us through word and through sacrament. Still, we give ourselves into the arms of other lovers who are fun for a night, but have no power to save us. The things that we give ourselves to can't help us in a culture that values personal freedom above above moral obligation. The things that we give ourselves to can't help us in a culture of entitlement that believes we deserve our good fortune because we worked hard. We are being indoctrinated by a culture that prioritizes self-realization over the realization of God's kingdom. And I wonder why we don't feel any conflict in our loyalties. I wonder why we label prophetic voices as conservatives or as socialists or as troublers in America. Where is a grand gesture from God when we need one? King Ahab's faithlessness provoked God to another grand gesture in Israel. God arranged for a contest. And as one commentator pointed out, God rigged that contest in Baal's favor. The prophet Elijah would face off against 450 prophets of Baal following a three-year drought. The contest would take place on Mount Carmel, one of Baal's holy sites. The sacrificed animal would be a bull, the symbol of Baal. Baal's prophets would get first pick of the bulls, and they would have all day to get an answer from Baal. Meanwhile, Elijah would get the second best bull, soak his offering in water, and have one chance at sundown to get an answer from God. All agreed that the God who answered by fire would be the true God. The prophets of Baal did their thing. They cried out for several hours without answer. They limped about the altar. And when that didn't work, they poured out their own life blood with swords and with lances to rouse Baal. Things went on like this until evening, without Baal giving even so much as a hint of acknowledgement. Then it was Elijah's turn. He prayed, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, so that these people may know that you are God and that you have turned their hearts back. Then God publicly answered Elijah, 
An all-consuming fire fell from heaven, devouring the burnt offering and revealing God as the true God in Israel. I used to think a grand gesture like this would restore our faith in God. All we need is one indisputable sign that God is indeed God. Then I realized that the Bible is full of similar grand gestures that we noticed for a moment before losing interest. And no gesture is more grand than the one that God made in Jesus Christ. God took on our flesh in Christ. And he suffered our God-forsaken death on a cross. After three days, he was raised from the dead to eternal life. He received the reward of the righteous. And he makes the reward of the righteous available to sinners like us on this side of the grave. Through him, we have the forgiveness of sins. Through his gifts, We receive the end-time resurrection reward of the righteous in part here and now. Jesus is God's grandest gesture to the world. His gospel is God's public answer to our cries. The generations that we remember today have cared for God's gifts so that you and I and the world might have access to them. You and I have been entrusted with the ministry of reconciliation for the sake of the world. We have been entrusted with the proclamation of the gospel for the sake of the world. Even when the world has given up on God, God cannot, God will not give up on the world. It may be that our calling as a congregation is the calling of a hopeless romantic. It may be that God is calling us to be rejected again and again as we try to share the bread of life with a hungry world. Then again, maybe our situation is not quite what it seems. The dreams of the hopeless romantic vanish like mist through our fingers. The dreams of God are being actualized among us today through word, water, bread, wine, and community. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Sharing the Bread of Life. For more information on the mission and ministries of St. Timothy's Lutheran Church, please visit our website at www.stTimothyskokie.org or like us on Facebook. Check back next week for a new episode. The blessing of Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you now and always.